Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Round one is in the books and it was a big one for most of us. Some of the usual suspects went large along with a few surprises and a couple of duds which made for an interesting start to the season. Joining me as always is the Broncos number one fan who was more bent out of shape by Friday's loss than Blake Ferguson's nose. It's Wilfred. How are you mate? Good thanks Joe. It's yeah, it's good to be here. I feel weirdly optimistic from a loss. So, yeah, look, it's 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 a good day. It is a good day, uh, certainly for MILF owners as well. Um, of course, we're also joined by Guy, who after Thursday night's performance started growing out his hair for that Pappenhausen look. Mate, do you reckon you'll get there by round 25? <laughs> Mate, my hair's running off the back of my head. So. <laughs> Um, maybe round 25 in 2025. Well, it's never too uh, never too late to start. So obviously a really interesting week um, as we go around the grounds. Uh, I managed to have a pretty decent week with the 1326, which puts me at 3,747th. Uh, Wilf, you managed to pit me. Yeah, I was pretty happy with my round. Of, I scored 1341, which sits me at 2,603rd in the rankings. And look, I have to say, I didn't expect to do that well, honestly. I was pretty, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll confirm, I did carry through of my uh, head-to-head charity league entry. So no Teddy and Milford was in my team. So yeah, pretty stoked to still score that well, despite not having Teddy. For sure. Bit of a tougher week for you, Bear. Mate. <laughs> was terrible. I'm dragging us down. I, I got like 1,137 and it's like way back at like 35K. Well, probably out of all of the champs, you may have struggled the most, mate. Wilf, you've got some stats on how well uh, we've all done as a group. I thought we'd trained the house down. I thought we'd really put in our best preseason yet. You know, the, the, the champs were looking good, but I didn't expect us to come out firing this hard. So, if you look at the top ranked leads, um, actually number one and number two currently are our first and second 10-team head-to-head leagues, and our third 10-team uh, head-to-head league is coming fifth at the moment. So three of the top five leagues currently are our champions head-to-head leagues, so that's pretty cool. Um, I looked even a bit further down. So of the top 10, we've got five of them all up, including a 20-team head-to-head league. You know, I've spoken in the past how 20-team leagues are probably a bit harder to, to get up the top with, so... They're currently the second highest 20-team league, just 16 points behind. And we've got a shout-out to Supercoach360. Their con number two league is currently a top-ranked 20-team league. Great work for them. But look look at the top 20-ranked leagues, eight of them currently, uh, you know, from our champions group. And we currently have 20 of our um, champs in the top 1,000. So it's just a, a huge start for us and hopefully... We're going to be able to keep that going. That's a pretty, I mean, that's a perfect example of do what we say, not what we do, isn't it? <laughs> that, that our average uh, league score is actually higher than uh, than two of us actually did ourselves. So, yeah, really great work uh, by the champs and long may it continue. So we've also got the group comp, Wilf. Obviously, you know, round one is in the books. We've got the first uh, shout out to currently Tristan, coach of Pinging Thors. And look, that, that group comp we've got going, pretty, pretty serious stuff here. So he's currently leading, he's ranked 8th, and we've also got 10th, 13th, and 24th up the top of this group. So it's going to be super competitive. We've got about 1,000 people in it. So, uh, you know, firstly, thanks for jumping in there, and it's going to be really competitive. So, uh, and also thanks to supercoachchampion.com. Uh, they've obviously put up the ring. 
So we've got that and we've put up $200 for the voucher, the team merch, the end of the season. And as always, all listeners, promo code CHAMP for 10% off and free shipping. Make sure you're getting quick because I think they're almost sold out of the 2021 Supercoach ring. So get in while you can. Good to hear. Now, mate, uh, you've got regular NRL physio on for a quick chat and we'll throw to him uh, before we get into all the team stuff. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. All right, I'm stoked to be joined yet again by NRL physio, Brian Sini. Thank you for coming on board the podcast as always. Uh, welcome. Round one in the books and we're here to talk injuries. So first and foremost, I know you've done a really quick wrap of your uh, the round one injuries on, I think you tweeted it out. Yeah, yep. So I'm going to try and do every Sunday night or afternoon if I can, just a quick sort of wrap up of the injuries from the weekend, like a little live video. So if you head to either Twitter or Instagram, um, it should be up there. So that'll just like give you, I guess, a bit more extended sort of my thoughts on the injuries outside of just the little tweaks that I do throughout the weekend. So if that information is of use to you, yeah, head to my page and it should be on there. Yeah, and I think that's, like I said, it, it's so good to get your detailed analysis on it and I watched the video and it was really, really good. I think um, one thing we both got a bit carried away last year because I find it really interesting. We talked about it probably a bit too long. So I think this year we're going to aim to keep it a much shorter, 10, 15 minutes max, and really focusing on yeah, the, the key injuries and, and obviously Supercoach impact. So let's dive straight into it for round one. A couple of big ones, though, I think. Let's start with the Roosters. There's a fair bit going on there. Jake Friend, obviously, is probably the, the most headline uh, name there. Obviously, seems like he's going to be out at least this week, if not for a bit longer. Yeah, it's a, that's a really tough one to sort of judge. Like, obviously, we've talked about many times in the past about how concussions are individual and each player is a little bit different. But it especially starts to get a bit murky once you have, like, a bit of a, an extensive history and particularly recent history. So, friends has got three concussions in the last six months. Uh, there's no real way to predict when he will come back. Uh, I've said he could be back in two weeks. After going through some, you know, testing, he could be out for six weeks like the Roosters have done in the past. There's even talk he could retire, which, you know, like it's all way too early to sort of say, yes, he's definitely going to do this, I'm definitely going to do that. But like all those, like uh, me sitting here, all of those options are plausible because it's just that unknown, um, yeah, how he could respond to this. So I think, um, yeah, any of your super coach um, guys like your Verils or anything like that might um, be a good uh, a good pickup, particularly in draft, but, you know, through, um, through a classic as well, there's going to be some opportunity there for sure. And Freddie Lussick probably high on the yep. waiver wire list for the draft players. All right. And I think uh, aside from that, uh, the other issue is probably Adam Kieran, uh, who was playing that kind of utility role, kicking goals when on the field as well, seemed to have dislocated his wrist. Yeah, so probably one of the more significant injuries on the weekend. They've said six to eight weeks, but it's often a little bit longer as well. Um, the wrist is really, really – it's got a lot of little ligaments, little bones that are held together by some pretty tight ligaments. So – if those ligaments are a little bit loose, it, it does take a little bit of time for that to settle down. Um, it sounds like it wasn't just a clean dislocation in and out. It sounds like there was some ligament damage. So, yeah, six to eight weeks um, for him, but I wouldn't surprise, be surprised if it's a little bit longer. And I guess the flow and impacts there is maybe Teddy is the number one backup kicker when Takeo is off the field, although that's not necessarily good news, given what we saw from last uh, this, this week. <laughs> All right, keeping it moving. So uh, for the Broncos, they obviously got smashed with injuries. So starting with Matt Lodge, seems like he's going to be out at least one to three weeks, I believe. 
Yeah, so like I, I think the Bronx did get smashed a little bit in the game, but I, I think sort of coming out of the game and now we've had time to reflect, it's actually probably nearly best case for a lot of them. Like Lodge, he'll miss like probably one to three weeks, they've said. So that fits in with that two to four week return to play that you see from me um, with low-grade hammies. So I think Scans did confirm a low-grade hamstring strain. So he, I'd be shocked if he plays this week. But, um, yeah, sometime over the next two to four weeks. So for the guys like myself who brought him in in the hopes that he'd do well while Payne Haas was out, um, yeah, that's throwing that out the window because he'll pretty much, I think, Haas will almost come back before he comes back. Um, and then the other two guys, yeah, Xavier Coates and John Asiata, like they looked really nasty at the time, but both of them sort of come back as... Um, as just really severe burners. Um, and, and look, guys pull up pretty quickly from that. So we're talking about this sort of before team listener name, but I know Xavier Coates was back to full contact training yesterday on Monday. Um, and Asiata was sort of limited training, but was aiming to get back sort of from today. So the Bronx, yeah, while coming out of the, like in the game, it was pretty nasty because they went three players down. Um, hopefully they're only missing Lodge for this week. That's some good news for the Broncos. And just to be clear, I think, a lot of the chat was that we thought Xavier Coates was going off for a HIA assessment, but that's definitely not the case, isn't it? It's just a neck issue, or as you put yeah, it. Yeah, neck issue. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I think they, they might have run him through some preliminary HIA stuff just to check, but there was no concussion there. It was just, just his neck. And just, um, I guess, on the same trend, Tom Burgess, similarly uh, quite a serious-looking injury, uh, stretched from the field, but I think uh, you've highlighted that it's settled down, no structural damage, no nothing really concerning, even a chance to play this week. Yeah, they look pretty nasty. Like those burners, and particularly like with Burgess and Asiata, they both had history, recent history. So it makes the nerves a lot more sensitive. So A, it doesn't take as much to sort of set them off. And B, the symptoms can be a lot more severe. So it can be quite scary. Like, you know, you can... Like when you're dealing with nerves that run out of the neck, it's the, that's the stuff that you put people on spine boards for and different things. So obviously taking all the precautions, but no structural damage, thankfully. Um, look, he's a chance to play this week. There's been mixed reports. Some saying, oh, they'll give him a week off. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play this week. And I guess everyone's kind of, well, for the classic players, anyone, everyone's staring at Jai Arrow wondering what's going to happen there. So should be quite yeah, relevant. that's right. And for the Knights, they copped a few um, injury concerns there. So Kurt Mann's probably the biggest one. Obviously, he, he changed out of his jersey, had his knee in a brace and all that type of stuff. How long do you reckon he'll be out for? Yeah, so I think the concerning thing was he sort of said he, he tried to play on and felt some instability. And um, with a grade one, like a minor sprain, you're usually going to get pain, but you won't get instability. Whereas once there's instability, you're looking at a partial or a complete tear. That's a bit of a concern. I'd like he'd probably be missing at least three to six weeks weeks with a partial tear. And I think I did see in Wacko's um, team thing today that they were thinking four to six weeks. So I'm not sure whether that's a report from the team or what's going on there. But he, he, like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him missing for at least three weeks. Unfortunately. And that's obviously got flow-on effects for the likes of Connor Watson. And you know maybe depending on. Have you heard anything about when Blake Green's back? Yeah, look, look, that's been a bit of a confusing one because I sort of didn't personally, I didn't think he'd be back till at least sort of around four to six. But then Barry Tui, who, you know, I'm sure anybody listening knows he's very keyed in on the night stuff. He came out sort of in the preseason and was like, yep, he's aiming for around two to three. Um, so that was a bit sooner than I sort of thought. Uh, so it looked like I maybe split the difference around three to four, somewhere around there. So it might be a little bit, 
Um, still a couple of weeks to sort of get by for the Knights, but I, I would assume Blake Green's not too far away. He has returned to full team training, so okay. usually it's not too long after that. And still, everyone's still on Kellen Ponga watch. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, like that's that's one of the weirdest ones for me. Like, like I don't know whether they're taking it super conservative with him, whether he had, he had a setback, but it'll pretty much be six months bang on. And look, some shoulder injuries can be pretty nasty, especially when you're talking about a, a, a rotator cuff and a joint issue. But um, yeah, they're, they're definitely it's definitely been gradual going with him. So look, you know, he's been adamant around five. So look, I picked up Tex Hoy because um, yeah, I, I look, all I can do at the moment is believe what Ponga is saying. So um, yeah, hoping Tex Hoy gets a bit more of a run. I've done likewise. So right there with you. Uh, and Bradman yeah, best no, obviously I... limped off in the second half. Um, have you heard anything else? I heard some rumours he might have gone off the surgery. Yeah, well, like, I'm not sure with him. Like, with those high ankle sprains, and I mean, it ended up coming through. I said in my wrap on Sunday night that with both him and Aitken, I've kind of moved away from trying to predict the severities of those high ankle sprains because guys have been able to play through these injuries and then all of a sudden it's been revealed that they, you know, require surgery. And that's been the case with Aitken, and we'll talk about in a second. So there hasn't been any specific news on Best as yet. It is the opposite foot to the one that he had the synosmosis repair on last year. So, look, fingers crossed it's only minor, but really this could be anything. It could be one to two weeks. Yeah, I'd say I'd be shocked if he plays this week, because even if it's a minor sprain, you usually miss at least a week. But, um, look, it could be up to six to eight weeks if he does require surgery. Gosh, that's not fun at all. And a couple of late uh, things that came out after the round finished. So Brian Kelly uh, seems like he's going to miss three weeks due to a wrist injury, I believe. Yeah, a broken bone. The good, the good news is, look, there is a few bones in the hand that have poor blood supply, but as a general rule, most of them have quite good blood supply. So the healing is quite quick. I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually had surgery um, to sort of stabilise the fracture and kind of get the early healing, um, you know, accelerated recovery, that kind of thing. So he should be back. The Titans have set a three-week return to play. So I had a question last night, what does that mean? A three-week return to play, if you've listened to you, you'd know before. So there's a difference between out for three weeks and a three-week return to play. A three-week return to play is usually missed two weeks and return on the third week, whereas three weeks out is you're going to miss three weeks and be back on the fourth. So they specifically said a three-week return to play, which fits in. Usually it's about a three- to five-week return to play for hand fractures. So um, potentially he could miss as little as two rounds. Okay, that's really interesting because I know a lot, a lot of people did take the punt on Kelly and, you know, two weeks versus three weeks is a huge difference. So really invaluable there. And you and Etkin, unfortunately, gone for a large chunk of the season now. Yeah, as I said, like, this is one of those ones. He literally suffered the injury in the 10th minute and played the entire game out. So that means he's come off at halftime, cooled down on this high ankle sprain, syndesmosis injury, and still going back out there, played the entire game, scans to come back, no, you need surgery. So these guys, it's been the one injury that shocked me. I, I certainly try and provide information on severities where I can, as you know, um, but I've, I've moved away a bit from like report, like trying to give impressions on the severity of those high ankle sprains. You can sort of go off the tra- traumatic nature of it, and if you see the tackle, Jared Wallace did land on Aiken pretty hard, but look, he played 70 more minutes on it, so that's the crazy toughness. These guys seem to be able to do that, but he'll miss. Look, the Warriors have said eight to ten weeks, but if you look at every synosmosis injury in the NRL that requires surgery over the last few years, 
every single player has come back in six to eight weeks in that range, or even five to eight weeks. We had Dylan Brown come back in five weeks. So I'd be surprised if it's any longer than eight weeks. And uh, just to, to, I guess, finish off that discussion, though, because I did send a tweet out a bit earlier um, of a podcast from NFL Fantasy, but I think they talked about in that where they might come back early from a high ankle sprain or whatever, but their performance might be impacted. And it may obviously translate to impacting their fantasy points too. That's exactly right. And that's something I think people probably uh, like misunderstand about like my account. They think it's just, oh, look, we'll use NRL Physio as like, oh, they'll be out for this many weeks or whatever. But I, I do try and sort of give an impression on what it will mean for their performance on their return as well, particularly with a lot of these guys coming back. Like we talked about Connor Watson and Sean Johnson coming back from Achilles injuries. Like we like, in terms of average and, and fantasy points, we like players taking longer to come back because it actually means that they'll perform better on their return. So just because, you know, Brian Kelly's probably a bad example because a hand fracture is not massive, but say Brian Kelly comes back in two weeks and only misses a week, like that might be different to the Brian Kelly who takes three or four weeks off and comes back. He might have more confidence in his hands, that kind of thing. So, yeah, a, a shorter return to play doesn't always mean a great result for your fantasy team because sometimes their average can be down because they're not returning 100%. And that's why we get you on to have a chat about these things because that's where your insight's so, so valuable to us. So, look, thanks again for jumping on, mate. It's a great wrap. And definitely um, check out your Twitter handle at NRL Physio. And, yeah, check out that wrap-up for a more detailed breakdown of, obviously, the round one injuries. So appreciate your time again. I'll catch you again next week. Cheers, mate. Talk to you then. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. Money can't buy that kind of uh, insight into injuries and always, you know, he's the best follow on Twitter as far as I'm concerned, NRL Physio. Um, so quick team list takeaways, guys, um, and I guess stuff that maybe surprised you uh, or confirmed your thinking about how uh, a, a team went in round one, kicking off with the Eels and Storm on Thursday night. Bear, do you want to, you know, anything that stands out from either of those two sides? No, not really. They're they're relatively unchanged. I thought, well, Nathan Brown's established, but that young Papali was the most impressive. I feel like Parrot did what a lot of other teams did against. The Broncos to start with, they they played real laterally and tried to do too much on the edges before running up the middle. I think um once Papa Lee came on, but he killed him up the middle. It didn't hurt help that the Broncos had some injuries, um. But yeah, once once you could see him win in the middle, that's when the game turned. And you looked at Melbourne and South did the same. They were playing laterally really early until Arrow came on, and then once they tried to win the like went more direct with Arrow up the middle as well. That's when they came back into it. So a lot of these teams seem to be playing, going to the edges early rather than getting their big boys up the middle. And it was reflected in a few of the middle scores. Like a lot of those forwards needed tries and attacking stats to get where they were um, rather than just doing it on their um, base and base attack stats, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think... We'll see a few move back towards um, winning the middle as we go through because that was what the Storm did, Penrith did, 
Um, and the Eels once say, oh, obviously the Roosters and the Eels once they sort of clicked in the gear. So I think that's still the way forward. Yeah, and we were talking earlier offline, Bear, that um, you know I think we're going to see a lot of coaches experimenting with the forward rotations as they kind of adjust to the new rules. Yeah, and like you said, I think um, they're going to have to because if they're if they're going to play like this, where they're just getting it out wide a bit more, I don't know. I don't think those middles will tire as much, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens, but I'd, yeah, we'll talk about it a bit later in trades. But yeah, nah, it was it was an interesting round, really. For sure, one stand out uh, on that note, Will. Uh, we've got uh, Reed Barney's the third most traded in person currently. You got to think that that's people panicking, you know, panicking Coruscant or Cook owners. I'd say so. And look, obviously, it's very tempting when you see any score that high in round one. But we've got to remember it's only in there for one week in the rolling average. So don't get too carried away. I think the thing in the preseason we actually heard Brad Arthur talking about wanting to make sure Reed Marnie doesn't get burnt out. He had in, made it very clear he intended to make sure that uh, Reed got a break. So I just don't think he's going to be 80 minutes every week. And uh, look, I think you know they brought in New Corre. Obviously, he's available for selection now that uh, he, he served his suspension. That for Keegan Hipgrade is definitely an upgrade for them. So I, I definitely see them smashing through that middle. I'm surprised Sean Lane's still on the starting on the edge. He was horrible, and I thought he got hooked. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes and whether that, um, you know, Papa Lee, he was absolutely fantastic. I wonder if he's going to fight himself towards the starting spot eventually. And I just wonder how that's going to fit in because I know a lot of his his um, recent game time has been playing in the middle as opposed to on the edge where he started uh, a while back for the Warriors. So. Interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, you've you got to think if he keeps that up, that, that he forces his way into the team, you know, somehow. Um, moving to the Warriors-Knights game, uh, the first one on Friday, this one's got plenty of super coach uh, interest, hasn't it? Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously the Warriors losing Ewan Etkin to injury um, and, and that's put Adam Pompey in. So not not that relevant, I think, because Pompey's, you know, he's played some games. He's, his price is not that cheap. And um, I guess the question marks... Well, the Warriors is they, they did have a couple of HIAs last week. I know a lot of interest in Fanua Blake, uh, Bailey Sirinan, Tohu Harris, and you know rightly so, they were really, really good. Uh, they, they were a big reason why the Warriors were so dominant against the Titans. Uh, and I just wonder if minutes might have been inflated. Um, Ciro obviously went off for a HIA, so that's 15 minutes gone and you know, rotations mucked around. And Egan obviously uh, getting knocked out meant Jazz Devanga spent most of the time at hooker last week um, in the second half. So, yeah, some question marks there. I'd love to be able to get another look at it and then see uh, whether you consider a round three downgrade or, you know, a, a trade in for one of these guys. But uh, I think on the Knights side, obviously there's a lot of question marks injury-wise. I mean, you know, um, per my chat with NRL Physio we, at the time, you know, we thought Kurt Mann was going to be out for a couple of weeks. But it's since come out from Barry Tui on Twitter that apparently Kurt Mann should be right for this week. So, Big question mark there, and he's been named, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I heard Connor Watson was training with the rehab group today, so that's a big watch as well. So, yeah, Knights are a little bit – I just feel like this team could reshuffle uh, due to injuries before the end of the week, so I'll be keeping an eye on them for sure. Yeah, Fuzatua Bear, he's someone, if you've got him, I guess you just hold him in the hope that he that he crosses the line, but don't play him in your 17. Yeah, no way. He – um. Their defense was really good. Their attack was pretty poor still. Yeah, you've and I mean he he nearly got that try off that bomb 
or the crossfield kick or whatever where he caught it and was just dragged down. So, yeah, you can't be just preying on that, though. If you've, I'd, You'd be starting probably that Tessie New over him. I actually sat New and played Fusatua first, but I won't be doing that again. Yeah, lesson learned, mate. Um, let's hold off on talking uh, Mitch Barnett because we could hijack the whole bloody podcast if we if we go there now. <laughs> we'll talk trades a little bit later. Um, Bear, Titans, Broncos. Um, funny, there's a surprising amount of Supercoach-relevant players in, in this matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, Milford coming from nowhere. Se- se- at 7.04 Queensland time, <laughs> I took the plunge and I went, nah, I'm doing it. Lachlan Lamb to Anthony Milford. Thank oh, you. Well, yeah. that, that's an inspired trade, mate. I, I, when you when you said you did, I was like, whoa, like I'm starting Milford out of obligation, not because I chose to. So really, um, that that's a big balls move from yourself. I'm going to have to name my firstborn son Milford instead. <laughs> Sorry, Bear. <laughs> I mean, that's a massive cough. Anyway, um, I won't. I won't stay on him. I, I mean, you had um, David Fafita who who pumped out a sixty, or coming off an infected foot in a game where you barely saw him. So, um, I'm I'm glad I put him in my side. Big Tino on a hot day, playing thirty five minutes straight. If they're going to play him like that, um, it looks like his floor would be about sixty two. So. He's someone I'll consider getting in um, pretty quick if uh, they keep playing him the minutes like that. I mean, Brimson got lucky. that Gold Coast, we all thought, might have been putting some points on, and I think that's why people were starting with, like, Kelly and Brimson and Fogarty and all those guys hoping to get a piece of the early action. But like I said before, New Zealand really defended well. So, And also the Broncos, they started off quick and... Um, they probably surprised Parramatta a bit, but again, they they can't play the full eighty, and I think that's gonna be the story of the season again. Unfortunately, I think so. I've got Fogarty uh, in my team, and I guess you know I'm willing to give him another week or two. But there wasn't a lot that impressed me too much from him, and and similarly with Jordan Ricky, obviously he's a, he's a cheapie, but uh, that PPM's pretty for pretty poor, forty points, Wilf. Yeah, look, I think um, one thing that he did seem to struggle with is he fell off a few tackles, which didn't help. I mean, I don't think it's normal that he misses that many tackles. So if you take them out, I mean, his score's probably, you know, mid-40s as opposed to on the 40 on the dot. So, yeah, look, I've also got Fogarty, and, I mean, you can't trade him out against the Broncos, so you've got to give him another look. But certainly it was a little bit, like, I don't know if it's just a Titans attack struggling or not, but that was a concern. The one thing I will say about the Broncos fade out and it's what gives me hope. It's I think that was just purely due to the fact that they were down to 15 quite early on and 14 by the time it was the start of the second half. So just losing the number of troops with the, how fast the game was, I was surprised they, they hung in there for as long as they did. And yeah, look, I think if they didn't have those injuries, it could have been a different result, honestly. And I'm not trying to say that as a biased Broncos fan because I came into this game, I tipped the eels, I had them 13 plus. I captain, I mean, vice captain yeah. Gutho, you know, I had very low expectations. So the fact that I was able to say that, I was, uh, you know, really quite surprised yeah, how they played. So, mate, my, my super coach season wasn't good, but I started out all right on the bet and getting on the um, para at two bucks and then at three bucks as well when they were behind. So maybe I'll just focus on betting this year. <laughs> maybe so. 
betting and growing that hair out. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll touch a bit more on David Mead as currently the top uh, trading option a little bit later in the pod. Um, Bulldogs, Panthers, um, Bulldogs. I really did uh, tip them to to do a lot more in attack. Uh, than what they showed on the weekend, and they've got the toughest uh, matchup, I, I would say, outside of the storm in in the comp. Uh, Wilf, what what do you see here? Yeah, look, I think it's plain to see that there are still some teething issues for that Bulldogs team. Um, look, I have to say, Flano was better in his first hit out than I expected. It was good to see him playing both sides of the field, and so. He will obviously, I think, as he settles in, there could be a chance that, you know, if the Bulldogs are scoring points, he's in the mix for most of it. Uh, one thing I was a little bit concerned to see was he gave the kicking over to Nick Meany at some point. Mm. I'm not sure what that was about. So yeah, whether it was just he had a bit of a niggle from, I don't know, whatever, his kicking leg. Or, yeah, it was interesting. But So that's a bit of a watch there. Uh, Avarillo was already obviously really disappointing. Uh, I wonder if it's just a byproduct of him not being 100% healthy. That elbow might have been bothering him. He obviously rushed back from that injury. And, I mean, we saw last year when he played in the halves, he was quite involved, ran the ball a lot, zero runs this time. So, yeah, something was up there. So I wouldn't give up on him straight away. He d- he did seem really deferential to uh, to Flanagan, didn't he? And uh, and pretty tentative. Maybe that's a combination thing, and maybe that's you know a, a byproduct of the injury, as you say. Yeah, I mean, I'd be sitting him against the Panthers this week anyway. But I whether you trade him out or not, I think I'd be wanting to to watch him for another week, unless you know there's no one else that you want to trade out. But yeah, look, aside from that, I mean, the the mess that was the the back row kind of. It was not that bad, but the fact is it's round two and we've already got a, a name change. Raymond Fatale Mariner starting. Corey well to the, Waddell to the bench, which I, I think we kind of flagged last week anyway, so uh, hopefully no one fell for that trap. Yeah, and, and Hetherington seems like he was a bit of a miss. You know, he played 57 minutes and, and I tipped 50. I'm imagining the extra minutes came because Napa, uh, you know, tweaked his knee again. But... Um, Wanted to play that first receiver and, and decoy role a fair bit. So, yeah, was really taken aback that uh, the work rate wasn't there. In terms of the Panthers, uh, Wilf, obviously, they're flying pretty high. There's a there's a heap of, heap of guys that could be trading targets as well. Yeah, look, I think our, our preseason prediction on Brian Torr being a genuine top four option, I think it's, I mean, it's hard to argue based on what we saw in round one. So, uh, the, the the question marks for me, I think, I mean, Cleary and Luai both stood up and showed that they're going to be genuine options all season, I think, as long as these Panthers keep rolling the way they are. Now, Appy is a little bit concerning, though. Obviously, he went off around the 48-minute mark, uh, had his wrist heavily strapped, apparently was, you know, in the post-match said he was fine, but it seems that, you know, something was there. And I wonder if that means any time, like, apparently there was a planned rotation, but maybe he he would have come back on if the game was a bit tighter. And you kind of think, well, does he just get rested if there's a bit of a blowout? And the Panthers keep playing the way they are. Like, are they going to blow out a lot of teams? So I'd, that, I'd be a little bit concerned if I was an Appy owner, but just something to keep an eye on, I suppose. And that's about the only play you'd be concerned of, of Supercoach Relance with the Panthers. I think you don't have Toto or Capewell, do you, Bear? No, I don't, and I want both. Yeah. I'm, I'm in exactly the same boat, and, and at best, I'm only getting one of them. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just one of those things, isn't it? Um, Manly, who were terrible uh, up against South at Lotto Land, Bear, um, what jumps out at you with this one? 
A lot. <laughs> Mate. Um, that left edge of South's, I think, will feast on that again. I think Latrell Mitchell, I get, he had he had thirty five touches and that's a high level work rate for him and I mean I so someone said he only scored a hundred and he had a high a high game which is kind of true too but it was it was against the storm so could you imagine that the score he could have put up if he was facing this manly team last week he would have shredded him so if you have started with him good core. I'd be, I'd be riding him for a while. Um, it'd be better if he had the kick in, but unfortunately he doesn't. Manly are just—they're probably going to um, without Turbo. They're going to um, contend with the Broncos for this, or the Dragons and the Broncos for the spoon. So it goes to show though what kind of player Turbo is, because without him, they're, they're a bottom four team. With him, they're probably top eight. So they're in for a world of trouble to start the season. Yeah, I think uh, the people that speculated on getting Dylan Walker in based on, you know, being selected at fullback have been burnt. He's probably a sell. Cherry Evans will have better games. But Jake Turbo, I guess, pretty solid. But, yeah, there's not not a lot else going on uh, for Manly and Saab as well. I mean, Manly just don't look like scoring points, so so Saab's a bit of a worry. Um, Do you – I mean, there's two schools of thought made on Cody Walker, one being that, you know – him and Luttrell will kind of cannibalise points off each other. Um, and the other one, you know, some other high-profile former winners talking about Cody Walker being an absolute must if you're serious about Supercoach this year. Mate, I, th- I think um, I was a bit le- – I was leaning into that um, if it, if they do cannibalise sort of, but seeing how they're playing that, like – I don't even think they'll care if the other side's the weak defensive side. They're going to go to that left nearly every time. So I think if they continue to play like they did against Melbourne, just constantly hammering that side, there's going to be plenty of points for both of them. They, yeah, they, they looked pretty good south. I think um, if they played a little bit differently in that first half, they, they were a chance to probably pin um, Melbourne down there. Definitely. I mean, how good was Jai Arrow as well? I mean, oh. one of the more impressive forwards from the whole round. Mate, and I can't see him starting on the bench for too much longer. They're paying him too much money, and you could see the improvement in him when they came on. He's a big minutes player, and I don't know why you'd sit him for that long. Obviously, they might need to ease him back in from injury, but I don't think it'll be long and he'll be starting there. Yeah, and uh, if he is, and maybe if he is, and he's a priority trade-in uh, for me, just given how much he did affect the game against a very, very good Storm side. Um, Cowboys-Dragons, um, you know, the poo-poo platter of the round. Um, you know, Wooden Spoon, you know, I know you didn't mention the Cowboys before when we were talking about Wooden Spoon contenders, but Wilf, you know, there's more sells than buys in this matchup, isn't there? To, to give the Cowboys a little support, I just think the fact that they played Penrith round one probably made them look worse than they are. And I just, sure, they didn't look great. And I felt like a lot of the mistakes they kept making was just making things harder than for themselves. Uh, they kept dropping the ball, uh, turning the ball over on the first, second or third tackle. And that was one of the things that the Broncos did constantly last year. And I know how frustrating that was to watch for uh, for, for, for myself as a Broncos fan last year. So I can only imagine the things. Uh, for the Cowboys fans at the moment, but I just feel like it it should get better. 
for them. I, I do think Todd Payton's a pretty good coach. I'd be happier with Todd Payton as uh, the coach of the Broncos than I would be with Kevy, that's for sure. So I just think he's obviously made some interesting decisions and obviously Tom Malolo is the biggest loser out of all of those at the moment. But I kind of don't mind what he says with uh, like calling out Jason Tamalolo is something that no Cowboys coach seems to have done in the past, right? And to me, that that shows that he's not afraid to, you know, to to look to improve one of the best players in the game already. And I think it's been a, it's been a criticism of Tamalolo in the past. He's never been a great market defender, and that was one of the reasons that uh, that the Panthers scored quite early. So I think it's uh, it's a bold move. Uh, it'll be it'll remain to be seen how. Lolo responds to that, but I kind of feel that the Cowboys might end up better than we're expecting based off what we saw in round one, that's all. Having said that, Dragons, they were my pick for the spoon. I think they're still on their way there. Yeah, I mean, they made a, a pretty mediocre Sharks team look like world beaters. So, yeah, I think they're in for a pretty long um, pretty long season. What about Philly Mayono? Uh, played mostly edge, a little bit of middle. Um, named in the 13 again. Um, seems to be a pretty popular buy. I mean, does he, does he keep up the minutes? That's a tough one, isn't it? Because... I just feel like, I mean, firstly, his minutes were a bit uh, a bit higher. Uh, I think he went off and he only came back on because I think it was Tariq Sims that went off for HIA. So I feel like those minutes were a little bit inflated. And I just, I don't know. Like we've seen a few years of Philly Mariner now in various clubs and he's just not been very good. And I just wonder how long he's going to keep starting for. There's also the question mark of Josh Kerr, who, again, I just don't think he's a very good edge forward. I mean, he's not. He's, he's a prop. So I just wonder how long this little back row formation works until or doesn't work. And I wonder if a loss of the Cowboys might really compound that and next next week we see Phil Mayano back on a bench or back on the edge for a bit and, I don't know, just could shuffle around. So I understand the attraction um, to purchasing him, that price, the score he pumped out in the end was pretty good, but it is a little bit concerning to me. So I'm personally going to avoid, but I, I get it. I think he's the only person, apart from maybe Dean Farre in Supercoach history, that's ever been a viable cash cow three seasons running. Um, you know, if they've got talent, they tend to be a cash cow for a year and then they're priced out of it. So, yeah, Philly Mayono uh, may not be there for too much longer if the Dragons keep losing and it might uh, open up a, a spot for Farmer Silly Bear. Uh, I know you were strong on him in preseason. Yeah, I... I think as soon as he gets a start, he'll be into my team. He, he's You've seen him when he played for the Roosters. He looked like he had a bit of talent and um, he works hard. So I'm still high on him and hopefully he doesn't make any too much coin before he gets the nod to start. It seems inevitable he's going to get that start, uh, doesn't it, just given you know how it's going to go the next few weeks, I think, for the Dragons. Um, going very well for the Roosters, though, mate. They play the Tigers on Sunday. Um, Roosters, obviously, super coach rel- relevant players up and down and a bit of change uh, in the Tigers list. Yeah, mate. Oh, the Roosters, again, just kept on keeping on, powered through the middle, <laughs> Tedesco, after his couple of slow starts early, just absolutely smashed it. I just want to point out that um, I picked him for top scorer. I didn't pick 160, obviously, but <laughs> you did, mate. I'll still take the credit for that one. I think it'll be interesting. I haven't really seen um, much of this Freddie Lassick, so I don't know 
how he goes at hooker, um, what his service is like. But I've got to say, it's better than Jake Friends at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and, and it probably doesn't matter. As soon as you get to the border to Tedesco, you're sweet anyway. <laughs> Just give it to the fast kid. Um, yeah. But some people were saying that... Uh, like I'd be, I'm nervous with Lachlan Lamb. I'm, I'm not going to play him, and he might be a trade out candidate next week. I just, the fact they scored so many points and he was nowhere near it is very concerning. And people said it's Luke Keary's team. He's calling the shots, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think Tedesco's the one who's doing it all from fullback. So I completely agree. <laughs> whatever, whatever side Tedesco's on, that's which way the ball's going at the minute. On the other side, I, I like the look of Dame Laurie. He positioned himself well and made some pretty good tackles at the back. There was definitely one try saver there that was a great tackle. Oh, the, I'm I'm spewing about that little odd. odd it, he just got so lucky there at the end. With he that did. Mate. He yeah. he looked for the majority of the game. He looked like he was just um, shoveling the ball on and was just a bit of a plotter. And now with um, Moses on the bench, I don't, I don't even know if he'll get 80. So take the, he'll have to take the price rise while you can get it. But I wouldn't be holding on to him for too much longer if I was an owner. So, you know, speaking about that bench, so there's only two middles named. A lot of people sniffing around off of Hingaway, Um Seemed pretty good. I think he scored 56 with some decent minutes. Um, is he kind of a, a decent mid-range option? Well, yeah, I think maybe if you picked him as a cheapie to start with or if you wanted to get rid of Lodge, not a bad shout. He did, He he was, I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think he played when he played a bit of the front row up at the Broncos. He um had a few games there where he scored all right. So yeah, yeah, he he could be a the stepping stone you'd use to get up to um Payne Haas when he comes back. Obviously, you'd need an extra bit of money, but if he keeps playing like that, then yeah, he's definitely worth a thought, especially if you got Lodge and need to get rid of him. Yeah, if Packer stays off that interchange, um, it might be a viable option there, although it is a Sunday, so you may have already you know, needed to make your trades. There is a bit of mail around as well that Sam Walker uh, will come on to the interchange and, and that'll mean that for the second half, Lock and Lamb will replace Lusick in as hooker. So if you do have Lamb, I guess that's a bit of a hope that he'll increase his work rate because he'll be doing a lot more tackling in that in that middle. But yeah, I, I don't think you can, you can play him uh, based off last week's performance. Will the uh, Sharks and Raiders, mate... Um, both coming off a win. Um, what, what do you see in the teams? Well, obviously the Sharks have lost a couple with um, Ramin uh, getting suspended. And uh, I think with with the Sharks, I mean, I, I, it's hard to judge how well they played because the, f- the fact is I think the Dragons just weren't very good. So I'm not getting too carried away in it. I mean, personally, I didn't think Moylan was that good. But he scored all right. Uh, got a little bit lucky at the end with a bit of junk attacking stats, so that's helped. But yeah, like just the Sharks don't look great. I mean, Chad Townsend probably was one of their better players, and I think probably all I really need to say there. Um, now with the Raiders, I do think they are. Uh, it just felt like they were just cruising. They didn't really have to fight that hard to beat the Tigers, and it just seemed like they could have really, like if they really wanted to, they could have um, put on a score. But that pack is just insane. Like it's just 
when you got Joe Tarpane playing 42 minutes or whatever and just having an absolute, I mean, he's got 100, right? Just, yeah. just beast, like offloads, tackle bites galore. And yeah, like when, when one of the best, I guess arguably one of the best lock forwards in the game at the moment is only having to play 42 minutes because your pack is that good. Um, I just think, you know, Sticky's going to keep rotating these guys and, and make sure no one gets burnt out because, I mean, I imagine that come end of season, Tarpane will probably build up to playing the 50 or 55 minutes that he was getting at the end of last year. Uh, was, you know, obviously, Ryan James, what a great story that was, watching him be able to not only play after so long but also score a try. I think that was uh, you know one of the feel-good moments for the season already. And I know there's a lot of interest. He's played 41 minutes. I wonder how much of that was just... You know, go for it, Ryan. You're having a great game. Just stay on the field and play as long as you can. There was, I mean, the way that the uh, his teammates just mobbed him after he scored, you know, it wouldn't have been a dry eye in the house down at GIO. But, you know, I take your point about the the, the Raiders' middles. Um, Tarpanay had a great PPM. I tell you who was pretty disappointing, and he's owned in more than a quarter of all Supercoach teams is Papali. Okay, you got the sin bin at the end, but 33 points has to be a major concern for owners. I just feel like he just didn't have to do anything, right? <laughs> he was just able to, to, <laughs> to chill. I mean, Papali, I think in the past, he's always been a bit of a slow starter, and I don't think that changes. So I, I was pretty perplexed why he was so popular. I think he's shown why that, that you know most people should probably jump off him. There's better options than that front row forward. Yeah, you're probably right there for sure. Um, Bear, anything in this in this side? Wilf uh, hasn't touched on a couple of players like a Rapana or a Moylan. Um, any kind of interest there at all? No, not from me. Maybe in Rapana a bit, but again, I'm I'm going to ride this cheap centre wing stack and, and die on that hill. Yeah. No, I don't blame you, mate. It's it, it didn't come off for you in round one, and uh, I, I'm a bit the same. But the matchups are different. We'll, we'll hopefully kind of um, get a bit more love there. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear. The camera's here. All right. So obviously, we did have the round one uh, Swiss Supercoach Star of the Week predictions. Um, just to recap, so um, Benio boy, Sam Rolf, he predicted Matto for 110. Not too good there. Um, Bear, you mentioned, obviously, you picked Teddy. So, yes, he was the highest-scoring guy of the round. So you are on one, Joe and I are on zero. We are going to keep this running tally until the end of the season, and I'm sure we'll figure out what the punishment or reward is for <laughs> the winner and the losers here. Uh, Joe, you picked Dev Feeder for 113, and I was – Worst with uh, Gutho for seven hundred fifty six, and he only scored like seventy five or whatever. So, not a bad start for 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 Bear there. Um, but look, we've got to shout out obviously the number of entries we got. So thank you for getting behind that. There was a lot of entries. Um, four predictions, in fact, for Teddy sitting in the one thirties. But the highest uh, was Teddy for one hundred thirty eight, and that was by Supercoach Addicts. That's NRL underscore SC underscore Addicts. So, what I will ask you to do is um, you're going to have to follow at Swish, S-W-Y-S-H. They will arrange to send you the discount code directly. So if not, um, you can let me know and, on Twitter and I'll hook you up. But uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. I'll let them know that you'll be messaging them as well. So look, that was last week. Should we talk about round two, who we reckon will be the highest scoring player of the week? Bear, I think you can lead us off, mate. Uh, do us the honours. 
Can I pick two? No. <laughs> Refer to the terms and conditions, Bear. Come on. One round tries to tries to twist it to suit himself. <laughs> right, mate. Well, if I can only pick one, I'm going to take someone I talked about before in Latrell Mitchell. And he will score 110. That is not terrible. I'm still scrolling up and down uh, the different matchups, Will. So have you got someone for us? Well, I don't know. You picked Teddy last week. Can I pick Teddy this week? <laughs> no, that's boring. Let's 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 be adventurous. I reckon top score for this week is going to be Brian Torall. Oh, that's who I had. <laughs> all right, you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, just for that, mate, um, I think the Bulldogs' defence is pretty poor and Penrith have about the most impressive unit going around at the moment. So I'm going to hope that the ball gets swung right and I'm going to say Charlie Staines for 134. That'll be... He's done it, he's done it before. Oh, easily, yeah, in his sleep. Um, look, I think that's a great call. <laughs> so hopefully there's a bit of love on both wings for the Panthers, uh, for us anyway. But, yeah, look, all right, so recapping, the trail 110 for Bear, uh, you've got Staines for 134, and I've got the other side, Brian Torpall for 120. All right, let's see how we go this week. But, again, I'll tweet out uh, from, from our main account at NRLSC underscore champions, uh, and, and please respond to that. I'll also ask you to follow at Swish. Um, that's S-W-Y-S-H, uh, just to make sure they can reach out to you if you win, and, and it'll be good. Uh, so, yeah, reply to that tweet when I send it out. Make sure you're following at Swish. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Swish. And also check out the website, heyswish.com. Now, actually, I've been passed on a message, uh, and I'm just going to play this now. So this is actually for you, Bear. Oh, great. Brian Pappenhausen here from the Melbourne Storm. Now, Bear, I'm uh, disappointed to say the least. Um, there's not many other words for it, but I... Here I've been snubbed for your super coach team this year, which I'm not too happy about. I mean, goal kicking, scoring tries, setting up tries, maybe an occasional offload. We will see. Um, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm devastated. I think it's a very bad decision that you don't have me in your side considering you won in 2018. Uh, yeah, I'd, mate, I'd, I'd, I'd wish you good luck, but that's, um, without me in the team, I really hope you go trash. Um <laughs> I think the only way out of it is to uh, maybe trade, maybe trade for me if that's possible, put up a few good plays in return for me. And, uh, mate, I promise you I'll try hard, promise you I'll try hard. Might try to get a few tries, meat pies, you never know. But, uh, mate, get me back in that side. What are you doing? If you want to win this year, you need me. Captain me, I will look after you. Don't worry. Get me in there now. Otherwise, you won't be winning, that's for sure. Anyway, mate, good luck and, uh, yeah, go the storm. That is amazing. Yeah. So, look, what can you do, Bear? Are you going to trade him in? I'm not worthy. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to, aren't I, after that? Personally called out by Ryan Pappenhausen. I think you've got to do it. <laughs> Just send him a progress photo of you growing your hair out, mate. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that'll make him feel better. Oh, mate. I'll just, hey, I'll tell, I'll tell him what I'll... I'll get him in before by round four. By round four. <laughs> All right. 
Look, so that, that actually is an example of what you can get through Swish. So it is really, really cool. Uh, it's not just for banter. You can get, you know, happy birthday messages. You can get encouragement messages of people who might be going through a tough time. Yeah, look, check it out. And, and look, honestly, I reckon for those, you know, in head-to-head leagues, if you win, um, let's say off the back of James Tedesco absolutely smashing the, the opposition in the final or whatever, and like this is probably more for a draft comp, but can you imagine getting Teddy to just absolutely trash your opponent? <laughs> Something like that. Oh, it'll it'll be good fun. So look, check it out, heyswish.com and on all the socials at Swish, S-W-Y-S-H. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm going to wrap up the podcast soon because I'm going to type in Swish and uh, I'm going to go nuts. Um, So before I do that, though, uh, round two trades, we've alluded to some of the more popular ones and people we might be interested in earlier. Um, Bear, if you've recovered from uh, Pap's shout-out, do you want to let us know what your thinking is with trades this week? Mate, I'm I'm looking to live a little bit dangerously here. I'm currently going to trade out Angus Crichton. I know people are saying you shouldn't do it, but we discussed Ricky earlier, and I think I'll use him as a way to get Crichton back in later. But I've currently got Crichton out for Arrow. We discussed this earlier. I was looking at Barnett. I was keen on him, well done to the 5% who had him, but 51 of his points came from his try and his line break. And tw- and there was then there was twenty four from goal kicking. So obviously the goal kicking boosts his floor. But if the Warriors can hold them to uh, even three goals for him, which they potentially can, how they were defending, like it's not like the the Knights looked overly great. I just see Arrow with his his base and work rate. I just think if he gets sixty minutes off the bench. He's going to score up around that 70 again. His, his work rate's crazy. So I'm going to take a bit of a risk there and hope that he gets that 60 minutes off the bench or even there's a late change to the start with Barnett playing first. It's just what I think I have to do. And the reason I want to do that too over Barnett is it gives me enough money to get Avarillo up to Toto who absolutely killed it. And that's with Crichton not, well, he blew one try for him and had sticky hands a lot of the others and he still managed to bang out an 84. So if he can, if Crichton starts passing him the ball, he's going to hit hundreds constantly. So it's just another way, just one player in there who I think can maybe shore up the scoreline if a few of those um, rookie guys fold. So that's the way I'm leaning at the moment. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because for me, Supercoach early rounds has always been about max trading to to fix your mistakes and get your team set. And it really does go against conventional wisdom moving a Crichton out. But it's actually what I'm looking at doing as well. Wilf, you know, what are your thoughts on the philosophy of trading out a premium gun who's only going to miss a week? Look, I'm, I agree it's against all conventional wisdom, but I'm all for it. I don't mind taking the risk. You've got to go hard early in the season. That's a lot of cap sitting on the sidelines. And I know people are going, well, what about, you know, why are you burning two trades, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm not suggesting you do it if you've got other things you, you need to do, like you've got a mat lodge you need to move out or whatever it might be. Like this is purely for luxury. You know, if you've got no other issues, 
you can certainly look to maximize your cash. You put Angus Crichton's money into someone else that you're going to get um, that, that you might not have been able to get straight away. And maybe you've got your eyes on maybe like a giant arrow in round three, or maybe you're going to get another gun um, like a Capewell or a Tor or in the center wing come round three, but you need just to move some pieces around in round two to do it. Why not just use Angus Crichton's money and then plan to get Crichton back in for round three or even worst case scenario, he sits on the sideline, you miss out for his points for one week, you've got premium points elsewhere and then you can get him back round four. Like To me, that seems like a, a very viable way to do it because if you do it that way, you're only really burning one extra trade. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I mean, it's my gateway to get Capewell and Toto or you know, Arrow or Barnett uh, in as well. And and really I'm sacrificing one position for a couple of weeks to kind of dramatically improve in other in other parts of it, of my team as well. So Cape Wells a definite in for me and probably a James Roberts out. And then, uh, you know, I'll need to fund that through Crichton and then, you know, my call is going to be between To'o, Arrow and Barnett at this point. Um, wh- who are your targets, Will, for the round? So I do have to make a bit of a confession. So I actually, you know, at the start of this round, like I said, I had Teddy money set aside. I had 250 grand sitting in there. After Teddy went nuts, I kind of panicked a little and I ended up spending it by turning James Roberts into Brian Toto, someone who I was really keen on. I was always wanting to get. So I actually did it. I spent the money. I don't regret it because now I've got a locked in season long keeper and I'm, I'm stoked to have Brian in my side and I reckon he's going to keep killing it. Uh, that obviously puts me in a position where I've got to raise a bit of cash now to get Teddy in. So to do that, I am also going to trade out Angus Crichton. Um, but, you know, for me, the sacrifice is Crichton to get Teddy and I'll be able to get Crichton back next week because, I mean, I'm most likely going down to, you know, I'm looking at the likes of Offerham Galway or maybe a Christian Welch or someone like around that price where a lot of people have those guys anyway. So... Yeah, like to me, it's not a big loss. I'm going to get more points as an as a net outcome, and like my team's pretty good at this stage. I've hit on most of the cheapies. I don't have any major concerns. Like I dodged the Lodge and Hetherington issues up front, so to me, like I I can kind of afford that luxury trade. So I'll trade out Crichton um, to maybe offer Hingaway, and then I've got Gutho to Teddy for my other trade. And then next week, I'll probably grab David Mead, most likely, if he can repeat what he did this week. And then I'll be up, I'll be able to upgrade one of my forwards, whoever performs worst. Um, you know, I've got Taka Aho, Fasua Malawi, I've got Barnett, Tupanua, and then I'll have Offenhengawe and Madison. So one of those guys can probably go back to Angus. And you might think, well, I'm burning two trades, but, you know, I'm basically what I've done is found a way to get Tor or Teddy and Angus all back in my team at the cost of one extra trade. So to me, I think it's worth it. I'll, I'll have less mid-ranges, more guns, and I'll be able to you know, power on, hopefully keep um, knocking up some good scores. And if, if, if you think about it too, like Crichton's missing out the game versus the Tigers, and then he comes back and has to play South. So if Souths get up to that game, I can't see him scoring that 98 anyway. So you could even possibly hold on to that till he comes back in to round four. But obviously you'd uh, like before his price change. So I don't know. It's it's a hard one because it does go against that conventional wisdom. But like you said, if you've got a plan to bring him back in, then it, it's a definite option. 
Yeah, I just think you've got to get your team right. And, you know, there are some mistakes. And I think a lot of the ones we've spoken about, you know, particularly James Roberts, Wilf, which you managed to kind of get out proactively. Um, for me, I managed to, to trade Lachlan Lamb out for Milford before the Broncos game. So I'd consider that kind of, you know, dodging a bit of a bullet there by the looks. Don't speak too soon on that, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, hey, I, you were forced to go with Milf in your side. He's there by choice for me. So we'll see how it goes in a few weeks. But but um, it's interesting just looking at the, at the top uh, traded players in because the majority of the top uh, – well, I've, I've kind of got three of the top five are classic kind of wait and see players. You mentioned waiting a week on David Mead. He's currently the top uh, traded in player. Ryan James, the second – Reed Marnie at three, I think we all agree, is chasing last week's points. And at five, you've got Fergo uh, there as well. I mean, those guys all strike me as people who aren't a priority to trade in this week, uh, Bear. No, and I mean, especially with like a Reed Marnie and Ferguson, um, I'd be waiting to see, particularly on them, how they score against the Storm. Like, if they have stinkers then you've only got those first two, the that first score in their rolling average for the one round before it drops out. So, yeah, I'd be waiting on, on for a week, particularly on those two, to see if it's actually worth bringing them in. Again, Ryan James. See, some people are saying he might, he might struggle once some other players are back, but I've, I've got a mate who um, he lives in Canberra and his young fella's in the same school as um whitens and apparently he was talking to him and he said him and he went to the launch for Canberra too and apparently whiten and ricky are really big on him so i don't think there's much chance he'll drop off the bench or anything like that so again i can see why you'd do it but it's still only that that one score i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be changing them for scores so much now if I was chasing that, I'd I'd look to see how they played with their structures, and that's why I'd change it. I get Fish said earlier why he to hold on to Avarillo, but um, I'm trading him out simply because of their draw as well. They have a pretty tough run, so yeah, structures draw. I'd go for more than just a potential first raise, especially when teams are playing a strong side second up. But I think for you there, because you're going up to tour, like, or capable or whatever you decide to do, like, that's, you know, going from a mid-ranger to a gun. So that's a no-brainer to me. I wouldn't have any issues with that. It's more like, for me, off the back of one round, you suddenly ditched all the preseason research to made you, you know, want to pick him to begin with. Like, it's not like the draw suddenly changed after round one, you know? Like, you knew the draw was already tough. And... You know, maybe the Bulldogs didn't attack as well as you thought or whatever it might be. I just guess, you know, what's changed so much that if you're going from Avarillo as a mid-ranger to another mid-ranger... Mid-ranger, yeah, I get, yeah, gotcha. You're, you're gunning up, so whatever, you know, no issues with that, basically. So, look, to me, I mean, of the names you mentioned before, Joe, like David Mead, to, he he seems like the probably the safest pick. Um, I was iffy on his job security before he played that game, but he was one of the Broncos' best on the night. I think it'd be really hard for him to, to get dropped all of a sudden unless he has a huge stinker. There's only a couple of guys waiting in the wings and, and Copley's one of them who's hurt. Uh, Jesse Arthur's there as well and Richie Kenner who's on the extended bench. So look, there's some guys there, but 
none of them, I think, you know, were would have had as good of a game as David Mead did on uh, on Friday. So I really think he's got a bit more job security now. He really impressed me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and I honestly, mate, I mean, if you're talking about Dave, Dale Copley being a threat to your position, I, I don't think that's, you know, with all due respect, Copley's a, a, almost the definition of a journeyman at this point, and uh, and the other guys have, have bounced around a bit as well. So, um, you know, Mead a bit of a journeyman himself, but he has been selected and and really impressed. So, yeah, I think. The position's his to lose, and and he'll he'll stick with it for a while, especially considering, you know, Corey Oates is dead set uh, on being you know an edge back rower nowadays, and and for a lot of years that that left wing was locked down by him. So yeah, Mead's Mead's position to lose, I'd say, but I would like to see it just for another week. So it's just on the other side of it, the most traded out. I've just got an eye on the number two spot there in Damian Cook. That's huge. Yeah. So my only issue with that is they play Manly 1 and 2. I can't, like we said, Marnie seems like chasing last week's points. He it, Like, he, he'll be solid. He, he made 50 tackles or whatever, and on top of that, he's runs, and he, he, he worked well pushing forwards up the middle. But I, I don't know if I'd be trading him down straight, like, after the first game. Especially when they played, when they were swinging the ball, and it, and he didn't have to do a lot of work up the middle. I think I think I'd wait to see how they played Manly before I traded Cook out. Like I did have that as an option before Crichton went down, so I I I, I did think that way. But then if you think about it, and and a strength of schedule game like that in a high powered team, and same as Charlie Staines, like. You knew he was going to be a bit hit and miss, as all wingers are, and but he's in a team that looks like one of the most attacking sides again. So I'm not understanding those two. Well, particularly with Staines because he's going to score 134 points this weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you know that's not a decision to make. But but you know Cook started slow last year and obviously turned the Jets on kind of early-ish to mid-season uh, and became the gun that we all know he is. Manly or a shambles bear. I know you've got him, but, yeah, I'd absolutely keep him for the week uh, to, to see how it goes. Yeah, and I mean, if he I, – I, I hated him more last year than I did this year, but if he if he doesn't score well against Manly, then he's obviously not someone you'd probably want for the year because, I don't know, I think if – I'd be just getting Grant in after that if he can't score against Manly, but I just don't think it's the right time to be trading him out. Like, you'd want to be upgrading somewhere else. Like, if you didn't have Teddy, maybe, because Teddy will outscore Cook, but still a big core. Yeah, and and I'd probably stick fat with Cook a lot more than I would one of the other most popular trade-outs, Wilf, which is, of course, Jason Tamalolo. I don't know. I'm very, very nervous, uh, super coach-wise, uh, on what's going to happen to his output up there. Totally agree. I think, I mean, the signs were pretty clear in the preseason. So, honestly, I, I think all the advice we'd been given is to avoid Lolo straight up. So, I feel like most people, hopefully, have listened to that. But yeah, look, playing 50, 55 minutes, even you know, historically, he's always averaged you know low 60s, if even even below that. So, I think it's just. Yeah, he's just not going to get that input. If you've got a game where 
you know, while he's on the field, the Panthers have all the possession and he's just making tackles every now and then. Like, it's just going to be big trouble for him because obviously the bulk of his points come from his runs. Um, you know, you see his biggest scores, he's got 30 to 40 points in hit-ups and obviously all the tackle busts and the occasional offload that comes from those. So, yeah, if the Cowboys aren't holding onto the ball, uh, I think Lola's in for a, a, you know, he'll be on struggle street for quite a while longer, basically. So absolutely get that trade out. Yeah, if you've made a mistake like that, fix it. Yep, no, good thinking there. All right, boys, so uh, we've been going for a while and, you know, we've gone pretty deep on all these topics. I think it's a really entertaining chat. Wilf, do you want to take us out uh, with our outro? Yeah, so, look, we, we do appreciate everyone for listening, as always. So uh, we want to keep making things better. So please uh, leave us reviews on, you know, whether it's Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you, you get your podcasts from. Uh, obviously, subscribe. So you get your, the episodes uh, out as soon as possible. And look, we really, really have to give a, a decent shout out to our, our Patreon. Our Hamps group is just insane this year. Look, I, I had a good feeling that we were going to start strong because I felt like, uh, you know, we'd been doing some good work over the preseason, but it blows my mind. Like my, my 2603 is the highest rank I've had in round one ever. My previous personal best was around 10,000 or something like that. I'm ranked 35th in our champs group. So there are 34 people ranked higher than me right now in this group and 20 of them are in the top 1,000. So that is an insane start. I'm uh, really excited. Hopefully that's going to carry on and we're going to keep powering on through. So, yeah, look, um, if you're interested in finding out more about that, check us out. You can uh, look us up on patreon.com slash NRLSC underscore champions. Uh, We've got a number of tiers there. Um, So get involved if you want to. And, yeah, I don't know if Bears finally made up his decision to get Pappenhausen or not. I mean, honestly, I think he should. Otherwise, you might, you know, he might just, he might be pretty angry at you. This round four rubbish, that's a disgrace. You got a personalized shout out, Bear. Oh, you head in. I know, but he's he's also got like para and then roosters, doesn't he? Does it matter? He's goal kicking, he's setting up tries, scoring tries. What else do you want from the guy? I mean, he, he laid out a pretty compelling case, let's face it. Oh, he laid out a compelling case in the first half. The second half, not so much. Maybe if he, <laughs> maybe if he has a crack in the second half, I'll bring him in. <laughs> shots shots fired. I love it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, a good, good week as always. Looking forward to catching up and seeing how our round two goes next week. Have a good one, guys. Yeah.